Ask 100 people for advice on raising feminist kids, and you'll get 100 different answers. That's what I found out when we asked Propaganda listeners to call in and tell us one way that they try to help the next generation of kids grow up to be feminist adults. I'm excited to share listener advice from the stories that you all shared with us. Some of the pieces of advice in this segment are voice memos that listeners recorded for themselves, and some are emails that I asked bitch staffers to read aloud. There's so much smart and heartwarming advice here. Let's listen. This is Allison McCabe. I have a nine-year-old and seven-year-old twins, all boys. I'm of the Judith Butler generation, so if you asked me before I had kids how I raised boys versus girls, I would have said both. But then life happens, and you realize you have less ability to socially construct your kids than you think. In my experience, boys are different than girls. When my kids were little, my friend's daughters were happy to sit close by and scribble away in their coloring books. My boys launched their crayons as projectiles. I used to prohibit all violent video games. Now I encourage the educational ones, where they have to shoot, say, the letter H, rather than anything resembling a human or animal. Are their destructive impulses worthy of hand-wringing? Signs they'll grow up to become warlords or serial killers? Probably not. I try to raise my kids without imposing my political views on them, even good ones like feminism. Instead, I try to nurture who they are and understand that we only ever have glimpses of who they'll become. If we respect them, we have a chance at earning their respect, which may help them to respect the differences of others, which is not only feminists, but to me, the point of feminism. Hi, my name is Lisa Frack, and I have a 13-year-old, almost 14-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. And we think a lot about um, how to raise my son in particular to be a feminist. And when I say we, I should really say I, because um, he's not super interested in my efforts. Um, and in addition to the regular, you know, uh, commenting on sexist advertising and sexist media and all that, um, there's two things in particular that I think come up for us over and over that I'm consciously working on. One has to do with the word stop which of course ultimately deals with the concept of consent. Um, the two of my kids together definitely use the word stop a lot and they don't always listen to each other. Um, the second thing that we're really working on is has to do with accepting other people's truths, um, particularly, of course, when they're different than your own. Um, this happens a lot with my boy towards my girl where if she feels differently than he does um, he sees it as lesser and so um, the lesson I'm trying to get across is that different isn't lesser and that the way one does something isn't the right way it's just a way you know what I don't have my own kids but when I talk to other people's kids I don't comment about their appearance or what they're wearing uh, instead I just try to ask them about the books they're reading, and I give them a lot of options about physical contact when we're saying hi or goodbye. If they don't want to hug, they can high five, shake hands, or wave instead. My son, Evan, is a year and a half, and as we're reading children's books and singing songs, I like to switch up the gender roles. So as we're singing Wheels on the Bus, sometimes the mommies go shh, 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 and sometimes the daddies go shh, shh, shh. So I'm a single mom to a pretty amazing little eight-year-old girl. My whole thing is I'm trying to model empowerment and the ability we all have to make an impact on society. It is a million little things. 
We are decluttering and she wanted to sell her toys and donate the money to a worthy charity rather than simply giving them away. So we had a garage sale and I took her down to the women's shelter for a tour and she presented the check. We did it again this past year. When we go grocery shopping, I give her a small budget and have her pick out the food she wants to donate. One of the big challenges for me as the mother of a daughter has been dealing with um, just how much sexualized material comes her way, whether it's the body shapes of toys for girls or lyrics in popular music that she hears with friends or out in the world. It's really outrageous. And um, as Peggy Orenstein talks about in her brilliant book, Cinderella Ate My Daughter, it's a double bind for parents because the material is sexually inappropriate, but young people even understanding about sexual inappropriateness is in and of itself sexually inappropriate. So we can't explain why we don't want them to have these things and we can't even explain why it's inappropriate. Um, So one of the things that I've been developing is sort of language to talk about sexually inappropriate toys and um, narratives that is actually age appropriate. So one thing I remember with Barbie that I talked about was that Barbie had on high heels all the time and she couldn't play soccer or run for the bus or play tag with her friends that, you know, there was a way to think about her in my daughter's world as helpless, right? That she's perpetually helpless because of the fashion. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I don't believe in Barbie having to do with these high heels. We disparage the idea of boys versus girls things, clothes, toys, and jobs. We buy for them what is interesting and part of their repertoire, to the point where they point out how ridiculous it is to have those distinctions in stores. They wrestle, they play soccer, and do gymnastics, and play with their dolls and Legos, and do their nails and rock climb and climb trees. No thing is off limits, as long as it's age appropriate. What did my parents do right in raising me as a feminist kid? Uh, I mean, above everything else, it, they didn't shout it down my throat. They always, you know, from when I was five or six years old, my dad picked me up from kindergarten one day and just for whatever reason went to his passionate um, speech about how, you know, we were all equal, all humans, you know, race, gender, class, you know, none of that meant anything, religion. And, you know, he's doing that when he was picking me up from a Catholic school in a small town. And that just became kind of, you know, my golden rule going forth for uh, the rest of my life. They just let me kind of come to my own conclusions. They kind of stated their own, their, their viewpoints and then kind of created a household where I was free to come to, you know, explore my own uh, choices and or beliefs and then, you know, decide for myself that I'm a feminist and that means you know, that's a core belief of mine. So I work in an independent bookshop as a children's specialist. And I think one of the most important things about raising feminist kids is to teach them to think critically about the media they're consuming, even from a really young age. Like, if I hear children gendering a book, I try to really push back against that and say, well, 
you know, why is that for girls or why is that for boys? And help create a dialogue around how they're viewing books and also how they're viewing the world around them. Um, I always like to give them options outside of the gender they're assumed to be. So I'll always ask, like, what kind of stories would you like to read about? You know, would you like to read friendship stories or adventure stories or pirate stories or mermaid stories you know whatever it is um I make sure to like really give them a lot of choices and I think it's important to create a safe space for kids to think about gender and start thinking about gender as a spectrum from a really young age because I think that goes hand in hand with feminist consciousness Hi, my name is Chris and I am a former teacher and summer camp kids camp counselor and I have two ways that I try to um, keep feminism in mind as I'm interacting with children. One is um, from my own experience um, I experienced domestic violence in my early 20s and one of the things I learned is a major risk factor for which women might end up in um, experiencing intimate partner violence is growing up in an emotionally invalidating environment. Um, and so I work hard to try to validate children's emotions and, and develop emotional intelligence in them. And I think that has a lot of important impacts. Ways that I do that include asking children to describe what they're feeling and, and mirroring that back to them and saying, you feel this way because this, and trying to develop that um, trust in their own emotional experience and their ability to identify and describe their emotional experience. Another way that I try to be aware of feminism and interacting with children is the idea of consent. Uh, a lot of us were raised with the idea that it's okay for adults to roughhouse with you or make you hug or kiss them. And I try to teach children that their body is their own body. And when they say they don't want to be touched or tickled or they don't want to hug someone, that that will be respected. And it's not a funny thing to continue to roughhouse with a child after they ask you to stop. It actually teaches them that they don't have control over their own bodies. Thanks. First of all, raising a feminist son does not mean raising a boy unshaped by sexism. It means raising your son to think critically about the messages he gets from the world. He will shape himself from there. Raising a feminist son means being honest that the world is an unfair place and that all the fairness he witnesses is just people choosing to do the right thing. Learning that equality and justice is a choice we make shows not only where we have room to grow, but all that we have built so far. And he will need that pride and hope. Our feminist son had a dad and a mom who were feminists, and our household culture was one of acceptance and tolerance for all races and sexual persuasions. It wasn't a drumbeat lecture atmosphere, but just one where he could observe what the grown-ups thought and accepted, and it became a part of him. His dad and I both worked full-time and shared his care and chores at home. His dad never referred to babysitting his own son as though it was an extra duty normally reserved for women. Women were never spoken about as a less capable or important sex. He observed us pooling our financial resources in joint accounts and making financial decisions together. Hey there, Sarah and Propaganda listeners. So I have a four-year-old daughter and feminism influences a lot of my guiding values and decision-making as a parent. She's at a developmental stage where she's very interested in whether people are boys or girls. So we talk a lot about how you can't tell just by looking at someone what their gender is. 
And um, I also try, though I'm certainly not perfect at it because gendering people is a deeply ingrained habit, I try to model using gender neutral pronouns and language when referring to people whose gender I don't actually know, uh, which is basically everyone that I don't know personally. I'm not sure she totally gets it, because explaining gender to a tiny human who lives in a very gendered world is difficult, but I trust that doing this now will help her have a more complex and expansive understanding of gender later. Um, It's not always easy, but I think it's worth it, both for her well-being and because it contributes to the vision of a more just and equitable world that I strive toward in basically everything I do. Thanks! advice from Aaron, Allison, Mike, Jan, Tamar, Hillary, Lisa, Jennifer, Nick, Christiana, Lex, and Aya. Thanks so much to everyone who called in or sent us an email with your ideas.